The Invincible Teams podcast is powered by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork, training, and consulting to help your team thrive in every season. If you want to have a team that makes other leaders jealous, get started by going to their website in the show notes and scheduling your free consultation today. Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. Welcome back to the Invincible Teams podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Mayfield. And I'm Alexis Gervin. Alexis, I'm excited about our conversation today. I think it's going to be really great for people to uh, dive into this content. We're going to be talking about five voices, which I know is uh, one of your favorite topics. It is one of my favorite topics. This is, to me, some of the most powerful content that any team anywhere can utilize to really make their relationships and their communication a million times better. And I don't know any teams who would say they don't want their relationships or their communication to get better. So I think this could be highly applicable for a lot of people. Uh, But why don't you dive into that just a little bit more? If somebody's listening right now that has a team or an organization, why is the five voices such a powerful tool and framework for them? Why would they be interested? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think when I think about this kind of content or when I think first about a team and really what they're working together to do, every team we know has a mission, has work that they have to do together. And in order to accomplish that mission, we know it's essential for them to have incredible capacity to do that very thing, to be aligned in their values and in their vision and with with the work that they're actually doing, the purpose they're actually fulfilling. Um, And obviously they need to execute. So we know like alignment, execution, capacity, super important. But what so often teams won't do is stop for a second and take time to focus on relationship and communication, which I would say are really foundational. I think we all know are they're really foundational in order to have really powerful execution, productivity, all of that great stuff. But very often we sort of just expect that the relationship and communication is going to default to functional and to optimal when (laughs) reality is that doesn't happen accidentally. That needs some intentionality in order to then ideally exponentially increase their capacity, their alignment and their execution. So I love to actually help people just pause for a second, slow down and consider, okay, let's really do some deep dive work in our capacity to communicate and in understanding ourselves to lead ourselves for the sake of the mission actually taking off. Yeah. And I love the idea of slowing down for this a little bit and just that it's foundational. It's a a concept. It's kind of weird that I'm going to link this to this conversation, but it's a concept in uh, like racing. If you know, for, if you're racing Mm -hmm. cars, um, you have to slow down when you are going around corners and things in order to speed up, right? It's slow down to go fast, but so many leaders and so many businesses, especially young businesses, startups, and things like that, 
tend to want to go as fast as they can all yeah. the time. And uh, in the racing world, if you try to take a corner at full speed, you're going to end up crashing. <laughs> and so you have to slow down in order to go fast. And I think that's um, kind of what we're talking about here, right? Yes, 100%. And I think, too, it's the idea of actual naming and putting language to and verbiage to what's happening as you're slowing down before you are speeding full on ahead to whatever the work is taking rhythmic pauses to actually slow down and name what we're doing, why we're doing it and really what's going on underneath what's going on just has this incredible capacity to bolster the work and to make the work that much stronger, but that much easier in the actual process because the ease of communication, we know the speed of trust is so powerful, right? And so if that trust is really well-developed, between the team members that are executing on the mission, then you don't wind up running into those little like miscommunications, misunderstandings, snafus that just slow things down. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole reason why sports teams practice, right? Mm -hmm. Is you're working on those foundational things. So then when you get to the game, you're not running into all those issues because you've already worked them out. So, 100%. so we're going to dive into each of these five voices more in just a second. But before we do that, give just a, a brief overview. What is the five voices system? Great question to kick off with. So the five voices system is essentially a trait instrument that helps teams identify what it's like to be on the other side of them, really by breaking down within the team within the individuals on the team, what is it like to be on the other side of that individual, that personality? And so we love to use it all the time. Our terminology of ideally it's looking at what is the broccoli in your teeth? What's that proverbial broccoli in your teeth that when you are interacting with someone, when an individual is interacting with someone, what is it that that person on the other side of them sees and feels and hears but the person who's communicating doesn't necessarily even isn't necessarily even aware of because they've gotten so used to their manner and method of being. So it's really kind of breaking down through using this terminology, the five voices, which was derived from the Myers-Briggs. So it's got some really great science behind it, but in a really simple, sticky way, it breaks down for people. What is it like? What does it really sound like and feel like? Um, to be on the other side of me and what are the patterns and the tendencies that I've gotten really used to because this is just how I've operated for a long time that I don't even recognize are even are either enhancing or really taking away from my capacity to communicate my capacity to be understood. So yeah, the five voices just being these kind of five different um, profiles, if you will, yep. uh, describing the traits and characteristics of uh, certain people, certain individual, and what, as you said, it's like to be on the other side of them. Yeah. Uh, and most of the time, people are just not aware of what it's like to be on the receiving end right. of their personality, on the receiving end of their traits. And that's right. where you get to that broccoli in the teeth thing. And I mean, if you're around the giant ecosystem very long, you, you're going to get that stuck in your head. I, I can't eat broccoli without thinking of giant. And it's usually in a <laughs> British accent, um, you know, whenever I hear it in my head. But right. um, it, it's, a, it's a great tool that uh, I think has immense benefit for teams. So let's just dive in a little bit here. Give yeah. us a brief overview of each of the five voices uh, so that people can just get a taste for that. Yeah. 
Totally. Um, we are going to start with the quietest of the voices. Um, and like we said, there's five. So pretty much before we dive into each one, we'll let everybody know that you're always going to be a combination of all five of the voices. You're not going to necessarily have, you're not going to be just one. You're going to be a combination of all five. You will have one that is most natural to you that you are most dominant in. And then one that's kind of secondary to that. Um, and the combination of them is really made up of, you know, your nature, how you're, how you're naturally wired, your nurture, which is how you have grown up, how people around you have really nurtured your actual um, development of personality and character, and then also choices that you've made all through life. Um, and so, yeah, it's basically knowing very well that you will be a combination of each one. Know that as you hear these voices, you'll pick up on things in each one that you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of me. Oh yeah, that's kind of me. But typically there will be one that you're like, wait, that you just read my mail. You completely are inside my head. I didn't realize that someone actually knew that I was thinking those things on the regular, but that <laughs> is me. And so typically that's what will wind up happening. Um, do you want me to just jump right into the nurture, right? Or do you want me to go, yeah, go the, for the volume? Okay. Awesome. So we can go for the first one. So we'll start with the nurture and the nurture is really um, our quietest voice for sure. They're very much the ones that if they don't have space to speak, they will often not. So they're often going to be the ones that need to be invited to share in a team meeting or even at a table in a family dynamic. You have to make space for the nurturers to share. Otherwise, they're going to be perfectly happy hearing from everybody else at the table. Even though they have great things to share and great things to, to put into the conversation, they will very quickly default to everyone else. So they need the space to, to share. But they're going to be the champions of people, relational harmony, and values the, the way that I love to think about a nurture is um, kind of like a spider in the center of a relational or emotional web. They have this insane capacity to feel all the way out to like the extremities of a team or a family or orga organization. They know how everybody is perceiving what's coming down the pipeline. They know how each person is feeling on the team. They're going to be the ones that are perceptive to not just what people are doing at work, but what's going on at home for them and what's going on outside of work. They're the ones I love to say will often have like Starbucks gift cards just packed in their purse or packed in their briefcase. Like <laughs> for the people that when they, they know that their people are off, they're going to just like slide that under the table or they're going to go get them a coffee. But I feel like they also are so perceptive. They'll know which people need to be brought a coffee and which people need like a Starbucks gift card to go escape and get a coffee. Sure. Um, so they're very much those ones that can think about how people are from a number of different, um, levels and they're natural team players. They're the ones that are very willing to do kind of the dirty work and the stuff that a lot of people won't want to do. They are also really pragmatic realists in that they will ask the questions that need to be asked of often charismatic leaders who have a lot of collaboration ideation capacity, but aren't necessarily thinking about how things are going to affect their teams. The nurturers are going to be the first people to say, okay, pause, wait, has this actually been really thought through? Because I know that so-and-so is not necessarily going to take that as well as you think they are, or because I know how that's going to actually affect so-and-so. Um, so they're going to be willing, they, they're going to be sometimes hesitant to ask the questions, but they definitely think about them. And therefore, when they're given the space to share, man, they are some of the most brilliant 
at really keeping a team dynamic healthy and keeping a team dynamic known. Um, yeah. So those are, those are nurturers. They are fantastic. They don't necessarily know they're fantastic. And that's the thing about nurturers <laughs> is that very quickly they can think that the 98% that they've done really, really well, like they just don't see it. They're focused on the 2% that they didn't do well. And so what I will always say is that for nurturers, it is crucial that they are cheer cheer led for that. They are bolstered up. They're affirmed. They're celebrated because you cannot get a prideful nurturer. It just doesn't happen. You know, you can affirm (laughs) them every day of the year and they will never be, they never just get cocky. They never, they never goes to their head. Yeah. You know, what I think is really interesting with nurturers is statistically almost half of the population is, is nurturers, right? Yeah. So there's a ton of them out there. But I would say, and tell me if you disagree with this, but I would say that nurturers are probably the largest untapped potential within most teams or organizations. Mm. Would you agree with that? I would agree. I, I know like you're saying percentage-wise, I mean, 40, 43% of the population are nurturers and 30% of, or 70% of that. So 30% of the population are female. And so yes, to the untapped potential, I think a lot of that, I think it's very, very true. Um, and yet when leaders, especially powerhouse pioneering leaders actually recognize the value that they have in their nurturers, it's exponential. It's, it's fireworks waiting to happen in the best of ways, meaning that there's so much that they're, that the nurturers do have to bring. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I could keep asking questions about that, but for the sake of time, let's move on uh, to the next one. Yeah. So our next of our voices is the creative and they are the champions of future ideas, innovation, and organizational, organizational integrity. Typically creatives are often a quieter voice and that's not necessarily because they don't share and it's not necessarily even because of their volume, but it's often because the ideas that they're sharing are really hard to understand. So people don't necessarily hear them really well because when a creative opens their mouth, it's often not the first thing that they say that they actually mean. It's usually the third or the fourth, sometimes the fifth, and therefore it has to get clarified. And in a meeting context, that doesn't usually work very well. Um, So often the feedback I'll give to creatives and the growth work I'll give to creatives is just, yeah, we have so many ideas. I'm part creative. We've got so many ideas going on in our brain on a regular basis. You have to just pick one, share it, and then stop because that really helps the team to actually understand whatever it is that you're trying to share. Creatives are um, some of the most incredible ideators of the five voices, and they will have some of the most profound ideas that can really move companies like leaps and bounds forward as long as they're actually communicating them clearly. Um, They're conceptual architects. They love to think outside the box, not necessarily going to be the executors that want to produce the idea or to actually fulfill whatever it is they are talking about, but they are definitely the ones that can come up with them. Um, They are also just because of their vision, the word can't is usually not in their vocabulary. Once they have determined what it is they're going after, they will not stop to put time and energy and resource towards that vision. They will completely sink everything they've got into that thing. Um, They do often struggle, obviously, like I've been talking about with the fact that people don't necessarily understand their ideas. So you can be in a meeting with a creative sometimes and literally 
creative will speak. Everybody looks at them and thinks, well, it sounded like a really great idea. I have no idea what you said, but it sounded like a really good thing. And then months down the road, someone else will bring up a really similar idea and just communicate it differently. And everybody's like, yeah, that's fantastic. Let's do it. And the creative's like, I talked about that three months ago. How, what in the world? That was my idea. In reality, they just didn't necessarily communicate it really well. So um, yeah, they also too are just really great in the organizational integrity space where they're constantly asking are we actually fulfilling on what we said we were going to do? And are we holding to the mission and the vision and the values that we as a team, as an organization have put forth? So creatives are fantastic as long as they are communicating well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems to me that there might be a lot of frustrated creatives out there. Do you find Mm, that? Very, very often. I mean, I've been one, so I definitely understand. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, creatives, obviously a huge benefit to any organization to be able to look into the future, but like you said, they need to be able to connect it to the present is a big, big part of it. So, uh, well, let's look at the next one. Okay. Yeah. And just, just as an aside or as an addendum to creatives, the, one of their greatest assets is collaboration. One of the Mm -hmm. greatest, um, elements of work they can really dive into is sharing those ideas with trusted confidants and actually allowing them to help them clarify. Um, I think what winds up happening as a creative, I, you often just think, Oh my gosh, nobody really wants to hear all that's going on in my head because there's so many ideas out there. And yet actually sharing them and having people mirror back to you what they hear, what they see, what they feel and helping you decipher and really organize those ideas can be gold in the long run. Cause that you never know what kind of final product that winds up getting you. The ideas that the creatives have can be fantastic. But they can also really be honed through collaboration. And so I've just realized what, what gold I was sort of missing by thinking these like people don't want to hear my ideas, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Guardian. Okay. So we'll move on to our third and our guardians. You know, these people well, Ryan. (laughs) I do. Yeah. This is me for sure. (laughs) Ryan is very familiar with the guardian voice. Guardians are the champions of due diligence, resources, and efficient systems and processes. Speaking my love language right (laughs) Right there. Money for for Ryan Mayfield, (laughs) the ultimate guardian. Um, They are the people who love to have their T's crossed and their I's dotted. That's what I love to say about our guardians. They're the best ones at making sure that those things are done. They have an incredible, relentless capacity to ask the difficult questions. And for them like Ryan saying, it's like their love language for them. If they've got some charismatic leader in front of them, that's got a really great idea, then they are going to be the first ones to come with the 20 questions, the clipboard with the 20 questions, like, okay, we're going to, we're going to get this idea idea done. Then we need to make sure we've got our details figured out. So like, let's make this happen. And often for guardians, it's like one of the hardest personalities to be on a team. It's one of the hardest roles to play because they very often feel like they're just pouring cold water on conversations on the regular, you know, and yet for the guardian, they don't really care because for them, it still makes the most sense that truth and facts and even safety for a team, those are paramount. That is what is most important. So whether people's feelings are hurt, eh, 
that does doesn't take priority over like have we gotten to the facts? Do we know what we're doing? Did anything yeah, you want I to share? Tell, I often tell people my spirit animal is a wet blanket, um, just because I'm. <laughs> that, but that's part of why I even had you come on as my co-host here because I, uh, I need some that. some encouragement and energy for people here. So totally. yeah, no, that's uh, very accurate. Yes. So we appreciate guardians for their capacity to do that diligence. They are wonderful at honoring the past and really looking at the foundations, where teams have come from, where missions have been derived, who's gone before us, what have they done, what have they succeeded in, rather than just always kind of looking at, okay, what can we do next or what's new? They will often look back to say, okay, let's honor the past before we just charge into the future. For them, I think it's, you know, the age old adage of if it's not broken, let's not fix it. We don't need to like, let's just work with what we've got. Um, They often do accept really as personal that commitment to deliver projects on time and on budget. So for them, it is almost a violation of their character. If they don't deliver, if they don't fulfill whatever it is that they've been given to do. And you, you cannot get a better executor than a guardian. They're the people you want to pass the ball off to. Once, once, it, once the play has been figured out, you want to pass them the ball to get it across the finish line. Um, it really is a benefit to that. They can often detach their decision-making from personal sentiments for them, you know, to be able to actually accomplish things. You can't necessarily always worry about how people are feeling. And yet that's why having a number of different voices on your team is so beneficial because then you have your nurturers that are actually doing the work to say like, okay, but wait, let's remember how this is actually going to be delivered and how people are going to feel around it. Um, And then the last thing I'll just say about guardians is that they can often uh, say the right thing the wrong way, meaning that tone and tact for the guardian is some of their greatest work because so often they are right because they've checked all their facts and they've done all their diligence. They, they are are often very well studied and well researched and whatever it is they're going to bring to the table. It's just in their delivery that things can go right, or they can go totally wrong. They can go haywire if they really haven't done their work to say, okay, how do I not just want to bring the solution, but how am I going to make the people around me want to hear the solution and want to implement it? Right. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, what's our, uh, our next one here? Guardians finishing them out. We're going to go on then to connector, the connector. Connectors are um, always heard on a team. They are, I almost like to compare it to the Tiggers on the team that will always have, like, <laughs> they'll just be bouncing around with like the next new idea and the next thing they want to share and the next, you know, the next best thing that they just have been super excited to talk about. They're the champions of relational networks, internal collaboration, and effective communication. Also very much people, people similar to nurtures, but way more in the um, connecting people and ideas space Mm -hmm. than in the kind of nurturing of relationships. They are extremely persuasive communicators and can really rally people to causes and to things that they believe in. They are the most natural salespeople Mm -hmm. because for them, they're not selling anything. They're just talking about what they believe in. It's not really, uh, it's not, 
infrequent that you can be talking to a connector and they will just be telling you a story and completely wrapping you into whatever it is they are believing in at that moment in time that they are fully, you know, all about. And it's, it's not uncommon to then have them going right from your head to your heart, to your pocketbook. And you're like literally giving money (laughs) to their foundation. And you're like, wait, I don't even know what I'm giving money to here. Like, I don't even, I don't even heard of this thing before today, but they're really good at, um, it just convincing, you know, and really, and, and telling a compelling story that yeah. um, can, can wrap a lot, of, a lot of hearts and minds in. Um, they're extremely resourceful. It's one of my favorite things about connectors. They always have a guy. It's like their mm. favorite, their, their favorite um, saying is I got a guy and it could be, a, yeah, I got a guy for that. It could be a guy that they uh, have known since kindergarten. And it could be a guy that they just met at coffee two days ago, but for them, they love to, to connect people with resources and to connect people with people have an incredible capacity to do it too. They, um, have really large relational networks. So the world of social media for the connectors is just like candy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'll say too often about a connector though, is that they do need a little bit of appreciation for those connections that they make mm-hmm. as as part connector, connector, creative, creative connector. I remember having uh, two friends that I connected to live together when I lived in Birmingham, Alabama. It was two guys that needed roommates and they didn't know each other, but they both needed roommates. And I knew that. So I connected them. Total bromance. They wound up really enjoying each other's <laughs> company, moved in together. It worked out great. They're best buds now. It's It was awesome. So a couple of months after they had moved in together, I went to one of them to say, hey, Caleb, how's it going with Carson? And he was like, yeah. it's good. I was like, that's it. He's like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. So I go to Carson. I'm like, my connector needs a little bit more than that. So I go to Carson a couple yeah. of days later. I'm like, Carson, how's it going with Caleb? And he's like, oh my gosh, Alexis, I love Caleb. This is so perfect. I cannot believe that I wound up with a roommate that I appreciate this much. Our whole living situation is fantastic. We are indebted to you. He basically just went over the top, you know, and said like, he was, he was so grateful that I had connected to them. I was like, Carson, thank you. My connector tank has filled right up and I can, I can go forward. It was just, it, for me, it was really gratifying to know that I had made a connection that was really valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I'll say. Our connections are great. Our connectors are great. They do from a struggle space will often struggle with hearing feedback just because their ideas are so personal to them. They very much are their ideas that they're sharing. And so when anybody gives them critical feedback on those ideas, they can often take it um, pretty harshly. So that's one of those things we look out for with connectors. Yeah. Well, I mean, connectors are so valuable to any group of people, like you said, natural salespeople, kind of the almost natural evangelists of things, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. can, can really do some good work there. Um, fast moving, you know, all can be all over the place sometimes, mm-hmm. which, you know, for a guardian like me is like, gosh, that seems exhausting. But at the same time, I'm thankful that they're doing it so that I don't have to. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Very, very much so. And they are some of the easiest people to listen to because of it. They are, they're fun and they're entertaining um, because they've got so much going on. And you're right. So for, for the non-connector, it's like, how in the world do these people maintain all those ideas and all those connections, but yeah, you leave it to the connectors. They, they can do it for the guardians. Yeah. N- not necessary. <laughs> not so much. Yeah. All right. Round us out here with the last one. Yeah. So our last ones are our loudest voice 
on the volume scale. And again, not necessarily because of their actual volume, but because of the intensity of what they'll bring to the table. And that's the pioneer. They are the champions of strategic vision results and problem solving. So they are the ones that are getting things done. Um, for the pioneer, they will often approach life with an anything is possible attitude. Um, meaning not necessarily that they're just coming up with new ideas like a connector would kind of all the time, every day, all, all the day. But for them, it's like, okay, if they have an idea, the sky's the limit. And if someone's going to challenge them and say, we're not necessarily sure you can accomplish that. They hear that as, oh, just watch me like this. They, they hear that as a challenge that then they are absolutely committed to dominating. Um, they're always looking really at any mission that they're given, any work that they have come up with. Um, they're always looking at how they can do the work to scale and to make the greatest impact. So for them looking at things through the lens of how are we scaling this to then duplicate it in other spaces and other places, um, that's just the lens that pioneers are always going to see through. It's, it is such a anything is possible kind of attitude. They're the ones that are going to take the hill regardless of how bloody anybody's going to get through the process. They definitely have that kind of um, military thought process where they're always thinking strategy. They're always trying to align people and systems and resources to really accomplish whatever it is that they're going for. And winning is a massive driver for them. They do not ever want to say die or give up. Yeah. Um, also very powerful communicators, similar to the connectors, but it's more so in that they have thought through fully their strategy. And so they've typically got a very convincing story to tell. And it's not just a story. It's like a full on drawn out plan with, with story integrated, but like it is, it has been thought through um, and they've, usually cross their T's dotted their eyes, but like they know where they're headed. And so they can convince pretty quickly people to jump on board. Um, oftentimes this is the, the personality type that when they are not really mature and they're not really self-aware, they can be some of the most arrogant um, and some of the most me focused in their agendas in that they are, they can be, um, really kind of selfish in the way that they think about things and not necessarily take into consideration how others around them are going to perceive the mission or even to feel through the process. They're just kind of, you know, we're all in this mission, right? Let's, let's go for it. And so very quickly too, they can dismiss contributions of other people if they don't see them to be competent on that mission. Competency for the pioneer is their currency and if that's not being met, um, they can very quickly, again, not necessarily being self-aware enough to recognize what are these people that are around me bringing to the table that maybe looks a little bit different than my capacities um, and how are those valuable. If they're not necessarily recognizing those things can be easy for the pioneer to, to dismiss others. So some of the greatest leaders in the world are pioneers. Um, I would say the greatest ones, though, the ones that are truly successful are the ones that have grown in self-awareness and have come to recognize the gifts of others on their team as well. Absolutely. Well, I think this has been a fantastic overview of five voices. Uh, you and I know that this rabbit hole goes 
far deeper though, than just uh, this conversation that we've had here today. And so um, I I think for listeners of the podcast, you're going to start hearing a lot more of five voices language integrated into a lot of our conversations. Uh, We're going to have follow-up episodes on different five voices topics. And um, yeah, you'll just hear that sprinkled in throughout. So um, I think we'll land the plane there. If people want to learn more about five voices or find out what their voice is, We'll put links in the show notes to be able to take a free five voices assessment uh, or to check out um, an explainer video on five voices and some other related resources. All that will be there. Uh, And then on the next episode, we'll talk some more about what it could actually look like to implement five voices with your team. So uh, Alexis, anything else from you before we close up? No, that sounds great. I really would love to dive in with anybody who wants to learn more. It's obviously some of our favorite stuff to talk about, and there's so much more where this comes from. So that's all I'll say for now. Awesome. Well, we will see you on the next episode of the Invincible Teams podcast. Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you are currently using. If you think today's content might be useful for someone you know, please consider sharing it with them. Just a reminder that the Invincible Teams podcast is brought to you by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork training and consulting to help you eliminate office drama and turnover and help you get the most out of your team. Thanks again for listening. And like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. See you next time.